podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. You're listening to the Voices of the Vic podcast with Ben Ayton and Mike Duffy. Hello and welcome to the Voices of the Vic podcast with me, Mike Duffy and Ben Ayton. It's 7.07 on Wednesday morning. Um, it's the morning after the night before and Watford won away. Yes, we won away at Deepdale for the first time since 1979. Uh, and here to talk to me about it, as always, is Ben Ayton. Ben, how are you doing this morning, mate? Good morning, mate. Um, very tired. Uh, I've been up since half five. Um, my, my daughter woke up at half five for a feed. Um, so, yeah, woke up early, fed her. And then it was about quarter past six when um, she went back to sleep. And I was like, well, my alarm was set for 6.30 for this podcast. So I might as well stay awake. So I'm, I'm feeling it a little bit today. But I'm sure like a, an energy drink will help me get through the day because I've, I've got work soon. So, yeah. yeah. But apart from that, I'm feeling all right, mate. How are you? Good stuff. Yeah, yeah. Likewise, mate. My, my alarm was set for quarter two. Um, and I was up before then anyway, so I thought there's no point going back to sleep. So, But as I tweeted last night, it's always better getting up early when you've won the night before. Uh, and considering we were playing away, that's a pretty you know rare thing for Watford to do. Uh, so I can't wait to get stuck into it, mate. Um, as always, we'll start with the with team news. This was the biggie, wasn't it, Ben? This was the one everyone was waiting for come six o'clock. Was Cisco going to stick or was he going to twist? Was he going to change the system that got us that 6-0 win? I don't think anybody expected us to go and win 6-0 again, but it was a whole, right, we've played so well using that formation and we look so much better. Surely he's not going to change it. There are a few worries that maybe Andre Gray was going to come in, maybe Troy Deeney was going to come in and we were going to perhaps change a lot. Um, luckily, Ben, come six o'clock, the only change was Cathcart coming in for a truce to Kong. Yeah, and I, I would take that all day long. Um, yeah. Didn't want too many changes to the team. We, we need to try and keep a consistency now with our starting eleven, And just to make one change, I think we all would have taken that all day long. And for it to be in our back line where we look quite solid as well, had, had no issues for Cathcart coming in at all. He, he needs to maybe get some game time now after coming back from injury. True Con possibly needed a bit of a rest as well. So he slotted in really well at the back and I was impressed with him last night. So yeah, I was, I was happy with the formation sticking with a 4-3-3 like I say we need to keep the consistency we need to keep the momentum so yeah um, Cisco got a massive tick last night for team selection and formation yeah yeah massively and um, you know throughout the game I know I'm jumping ahead a little bit here but throughout the game you saw him and his assistant just pacing up and down that touchline shouting instructions making sure that we were pressing all the time which is something we don't do very regularly away from home but yeah um, that you know what that's the first time I've noticed him do it that's the first time I've seen him do it this season uh, really well noticeably um, he he was right on the touchline wasn't he blocking orders at everyone last night and I think it really helped the performance last night yeah massively and I think they were playing um, crowd music as well because I I switched on Hive Live and there was crowd music I was like 
Hive Live never played crowd music. And then I think John Marks alluded to it. So that must have been, you know, Cisco and his number two must have a pair of sore throats this morning. So, uh, but listen, I, I'm, I'm happy because we've won. But yeah, one change. That was brilliant. Everyone breathed a huge sigh of relief. You know, we always put a tweet out asking for score predictions. And the amount of people that says, I'll let you know at 6pm, there was literally that much riding on it. Um, I was texting my mate, Bear News, a Preston fan, and I was saying, like, I says, I'll find out at six o'clock whether we're going to take this seriously or not. Um, so, yeah, uh, we also learned as well that Troy will be sidelined for a short period of time to allow for a couple of niggling injuries to recover. Uh, hopefully it's not a repeat of that knee injury that he had towards the back end of last season that kept him out for a large part of this season. Um, we do wish him all the best, um, unlike some idiots on social media that are happy for his injury. I, I can never get my head around that. Yes, there's question marks over his performances this season, but to, to wish an injury on him and to say, you know, to, to be happy that he's injured and that he, it's out of order in my, my eyes, really is. Um, but I think the main thing, Ben, which was very good to see was we weren't to talk about this first half too much because there weren't really much to talk about. But in terms of possession-wise and creating chances or half chances, we were much better. You know, considering we're away from home, we just looked so much more energetic, so much more on it. Um, you know, arguably, we, we should have been 1-0 down. Ched Evans put it over after he got the better of uh, Sierra Elsa. Um, but luckily for us, he put it over. Um, but other than that, then, in terms of possession and, you know, getting the ball forwards and looking like creating, it, it was us. It was all us in that first half. Yeah, I felt like we, we kind of took the game to them as well. Um, yeah. we, we played with a much higher tempo than we have done in previous away games, which which helped us. Um, we weren't really clicking in that final third, though. We were showing, showing some good promise, uh, um, though, and showing yeah. some good patterns of play. Um, I thought our press was really good yesterday. Our press was really aggressive, and the work rate from the midfield three was brilliant. I, I really like the look of Husey and Cleverly in that midfield together. I think QC compliments cleverly a lot. And I just thought them two particularly were outstanding yesterday. Their work rate and determination, desire. Um, there was breaking up play. There was pressing high. There was winning the ball back. There was pass. Their passing was brilliant. I just thought them two in the middle of a park was outstanding yesterday. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, again, credit to Cisco for picking the same side and being as energetic as he was on the touchline, barking those orders, making sure we were getting forward. Uh, I mean, the amount of space, I don't know if you picked up on it, Ben, but the amount of space we had in the middle as well. Uh, and then out on the wide, you know, Kiko Femeni, I had the freedom of, of, of Lancashire at one stage. He was in that much space over on the right-hand side. So, you know, it was it was good to see him getting forward, obviously. Um, he'd come back a couple of games ago and we've really missed him um but yeah it, it really was great to see you know we've talked about cleverly on this pod before but he was absolutely superb he he was just did not stop running yesterday uh Chalibur as well ben you know we've talked about his performance he's been up and down this season i thought he had another decent performance yesterday um there were a few moments where you thought i wonder if 
you know, he'll maybe take a yellow card so he can get this suspension out of the way and be back for Bournemouth. Like, that's what fans are talking about now. And considering he was, the other week, he was absolutely terrible. Well, a couple of months ago, he was absolutely terrible, according to fans, and nobody wanted him to start. And now we want to make sure that he's not suspended for a big game against Bournemouth. So, do, do you, would you agree with that, Ben? Do you think his performances have, uh, have really turned the corner recently? Yeah, I mentioned this probably about four, four, five weeks ago that we could see a, no, a notable change in Chalobah and his performances have definitely upped um, since the start of the season. Um, Chalobah is one of those players who needs to be playing con- constantly uh, and consistently well for his performances to be doing um, well. And he, he has looked a lot better recently in the last five to six weeks. I think competition from Dan Gosling as well is trying to is up in yeah. his game a bit as well. But um, it's interesting to see that people have got one eye on the Bournemouth game now, um, thinking, "Oh, Chalaber maybe should have took, needed to take another yellow card there, just so he got two games rest." But I, I see it as I, I think he's probably going to get rested for the weekend against Derby. Um, mm-hmm. There's a few games a days in between now till Friday when we play Derby at home. Um, so I imagine he's probably get re- going to get rested um, for the game against Derby on the weekend and then Dan Gosling was slot in. And I must say, Dan Gosling, when he came on last night, he just keeps things simple, doesn't he? And wins yeah. the ball back and he, he just calms things down. And like, like I said last week, I think he's a, he's a really good bit of business and I think he's, he's, he's slotted in really well. And it's like he's... he's that was his um, second appearance for Watford and it's like he's been there for ages. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I think you you make a pretty solid point there, Ben. I think Chalaba does know that. Now we've got Gosling in, there's some competition finally and with the um, change to formation, you know, he, he wants to be in that midfield three and at the moment he's one of the first names on the team sheet, Chalaba. But obviously the ad- addition of Gosling will definitely have given him a rocket, I think, uh, which is good. But yeah, I mean, in terms of the first half, although we didn't really, we, we well, we didn't get a shot on target in the first half, we only really created half chances and we had five shots in total in that first half. We just seemed a lot more on it for an away performance, which is not something you would associate with Watford away from home. Um, now, Come half time, you know, the, the possession stats, we had 68% possession, five shots, none on target. Preston only had three, should have been 1-0 up. Um, 286 passes to their 133. Um, and I text my um, Preston mate at half time and I says, what do you make of the first half? And he says, it looks like we, we're holding out for a draw. He says, you've you've been all over us. He says, you can definitely see the golfing class. Um, so, you know... I obviously thought, well, we, we're looking good, but we've not really created much. I had a bit of a negativity um, surrounding me and I thought, oh, well, you know, this only points to one way with Watford. It'll either be a nil-nil or they'll nick it on a break or something. So, um, luckily, that wasn't the case. You know, 10 minutes, well, five minutes into the second half, Ben. Jao Pedro's brought down by Barkusen. Now, there was a few, obviously Preston fans will say it's not a penalty, but there was a few ums and ahs. Do you think that was a penalty? Yeah, it was a penalty all day. Fans are a bit, I wouldn't like a penalty to be awarded against my side, but it was it was, it was was a clumsy challenge. Um, it was a quality ball from Messina to play in Semmer. It gets to the byline, byline like Semmer does every week. 
balls it back to Joel Pedro and full credit to Joel Pedro to get in front of his man and his quick feet just gets away from him a little bit and then got brought down and yeah fair play to Joel Pedro there to win the penalty um, there's a lot of talk about what penalties um, penalties due to our pace and quick feet in a box and oppositions can't handle us when we're like that yeah, that was the ninth penalty that we've been awarded this season in the league. Ten altogether, if you count the uh, the League Cup, um, which now means that we've received the most penalties in the last ten seasons. So that's incredible, and I think you're absolutely spot on there, Ben. I think it is to do with these fast players, the fast, quick feet that we've got in the penalty area uh, definitely helps. Now, when, the, when he was brought down for the penalty, I don't know about you, but I thought Saar was going to take it. Was you perhaps a little bit surprised that João Pedro himself took it, considering that Sars the only other player, uh, really, that you, you would think would take penalties? No, I, I, I wanted Pedro to take it and I thought he would take it. Um, he played really well Saturday and he was unlucky not to get a goal. And the way Pedro strikes the ball as well, I was quite confident that he would step up and slot it away. So I was... I was happy that he he wanted the ball and took responsibility. He showed how 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 much he wanted it and how much he wanted to score for the team last night. And I don't know about you though, I haven't been nervous like that for a penalty for a very long time. Because when Troy yeah. steps up, you know what you're going to get. You know he's going to smash it down the middle. The keeper's going to have no chance. When someone else steps up like Pedro, it's like, oh, is the keeper going to save it here? I actually started to doubt um, Pedro a little bit, but fair play to Pedro. He calmly um, took his run up and then he just calmly just slotted it into the corner, like right into the side netting of the net. And keepers can't get it when you do that. So the absolute superb penalty from Pedro. Yeah, and uh, I'm with you, mate. Because it wasn't Troy, I was genuinely, I was like, I think he's going to save this. I think he's going to save this. Whereas as Troy, as you've said, just blasts it. So you've got no chance. Uh, I think we were maybe a tad fortunate because it went through the goalkeeper's hands because he dived the right way. And that gave me a bloody heart attack that he dived the right way. I thought he's, he saved it. But no, as you say, made no mistake from the spot. And that's his seventh for the season, I think, now. So I think there's him, Saar and Troy all on seven goals this season, I think. Uh, I should know because you put the yep. stats out the other day on uh, the Twitter page. But yeah. Yes, that's right. Um, one player I want to talk about, Ben, now that we're talking about the second half, um, and the only reason I want to point him out is because I think he had a bit of a shaky first half, which is unlike this player. But Sierra Elta, he had a very, well, he had a bit of a shaky first half, but second half, he was absolutely superb. And we've had a question in twi- from Twitter uh, from WFC Josh, and he said, do you think there's an, any better centre-backs in the Championship at the moment than Sierra Elta? Um, at the moment, going off form, um, I don't think anyone else comes into comparison with Sirelta um, in the Watford side or in the Championship. I had a quick look um, this morning into a bit of stats in Sirelta that I'm actually going to tweet from the account later on. In 12 Championship games, Sirelta has helped Watford keep eight clean sheets. Wow. So in four games, only in four games, Watford have conceded. Um, and, and to think that he's still 23 as well, uh, yeah. he's, got, he's still got a massive amount of potential to fill. Um, he's just another fine example of the Pozo network um, unearthing another gem, isn't it, really? Um, To think that he came in from Indonesia and we just thought, oh, he's just going to be a bit part player. He's just going to play when there's some injuries and then he'll be back out the side. Tell you what, Cabaselli has got a massive, massive job to come back into his side and win his spot back because I don't think he's going to do it. And if you 
if you look from when Serie Alta came into the starting lineup, since then, if the season started when Serie Alta started, he would have been my player of the season. Because yeah. he's been absolutely top draw. And I don't know if you, this might be a bit of an exaggeration, but I feel like he's he's got the presence of a, um, a Van Dyke at the back. Mm. Yeah, no, well, he's a he's a big physical player, isn't he? He wins a lot in the air. He's, I think uh, Lou Orne's tweeted from his account not long ago that in terms of aerial duels, he's one of the best out there at the moment in the in the league, uh, certainly amongst the, the defenders for Watford. And to have two big two big centre-backs in, like, physically um, in, in, with Sierra Elter and Trooster Kong. He's, you know, built a brilliant partnership with Trooster Kong. And although the first half was a bit shaky, that second half, him and Kafkart were superb. Uh, you know, experience next to him is always going to help. But I think you're absolutely spot on. And to think as well, he played one of the cup games. I can't remember whether it was Oxford or Newport. Uh, well, he got sent... Did he get... No, that was Perica that got sent off at Newport. But he played one of the cup games and we thought he, he had a proper shaky game, which you yeah, can understand. Yeah, Oxford. Because he, he'd only just come to, you know, play in England, etc. Uh, and then any mention of him on the bench, everyone was like, oh, God... Like, please don't bring him on. And then he, he got his break because of injury. The Chileans were right, Ben. Those Chileans in the Watford's mentions were absolutely spot on. Um, yeah. he, he has been nothing short of superb so far. And I think I don't think it's an exaggeration at all, Ben. I think had he started from the start of the season and played that well, he would definitely be in for player of the season, shout 100%. Um, now, Going back to the game itself, Ben, um, you know, we went 1-0 up, obviously. And then usually when Watford go 1-0 up away from home with a penalty, like has happened various times this season, um, we tend to sit back and then think, OK, we've got that 1-0 lead. Let's let's see it out. There was a difference, Ben. We didn't see that from Watford. It, we wanted more goals. This is where we got we saw Munoz and his number two be more um, sort of animated on the sideline and really push the players to keep pressing, keep pressing. And that was refreshing to see, wasn't it, Ben? That we weren't just going to sit there on a one 0 lead, especially at Preston, because that was not the best pitch, and they were really pinning it on us towards the end of the game. Yeah, we really dug in deep yesterday, and it was it was a really gritty way performance, wasn't it? But it was it was a really well drilled uh, performance. It's it was perfect, really, um, to come away from home, get the clean sheet. We got the guts. It was a penalty, but I think if we didn't get the penalty, we would have pushed forward to actually score a goal from open play opportunities yesterday. You couldn't say that with a performance that uh, Coventry away we was really lacklustre. That game, but yesterday was a there was a bit of urgency and there was um good patterns of play and we was getting into good areas. We just couldn't really get our shot away. But I really liked our build up yesterday and our patience off the ball. And like you say, with Cisco and his number two on the touchline, um, it really their energy ended up going onto the pitch. I felt and it really helped us in those last finals. 20 minutes because it was getting a bit nervy but like you say when we was getting the ball we was 
looking to get forward and we was looking to score still. I think there was a lovely bit of interchange, maybe around a 60-minute mark between Sara and Pedro, a few flicks, and they set Kiko away. And Kiko, our right-back, was was the furthest man forward and he got into a penalty box and he was unlucky to just have a shot on the edge of a box and he, he won the free kick. He, I thought we actually scored a free kick for once. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I thought that free kick, I thought it was in um, probably the best... Best chance since James Garner's, which hits the which hit the bar against Reading earlier this season, um, and then obviously another one. I think Dan Gosling was through. He, he somehow managed to turn his man in the penalty area, but couldn't get the shot away and won us a corner. Um, and then obviously towards the end, I think we we countered four on two, um, and. Zinkenagel couldn't find the final ball to put Parizza through, and who knows what could have happened there. Uh, that was not... so frustration. Yeah, yeah, it was massively. Not forgetting as With... well, Ben. Remember, Hughesy fired one across the, um, well, across the goal line, and I think yeah. it, it deflected off Zinkenagel. Yeah, and then it just wouldn't find its way in the end. But was you going to say something about that four and two, Ben? Sorry. Yeah, it was just. So frustrating. Like I imagine, if we had Troy in a team, he would have told everyone to go for a corner flag to like hold hold the ball in there to try and waste time. So it was kind of refreshing that we wanted to attack and get that second goal. But with the map, with the quality that Zinkan Eagle presents, is I thought it was really poor poor ball for him last night and I must be honest I wasn't really impressed with him when he came on last night I thought yeah, he looks a bit lightweight still I think he needs to get up to speed to the championship still and you can probably see why Cisco hasn't thrown him into the championship um, straight away I know there's a lot of pressure from fans wanting Zinkan Eagle to come in but I imagine when the time's right Cisco he watches him training every every day and hit, hit 30 minutes performance last night I did think this is probably why he hasn't started games because he did look a little bit sluggish last night and I don't know about you sometimes when he's on the ball in our, our pirouette just to get away from his man and it's like, I wish you wouldn't do it in that area. Do it a bit further up the pitch because he does lose the ball sometimes. And it's just, just do it in the right area. He's still learning to get into grips of the championship because it's completely different to the Norwegian league. Oh, yeah, 100%. And, you know, when he gives that free kick away, I thought, please don't let this come back to bite us. Uh, as you say, it was a silly foul to give away. He didn't really need to do that pirouette there and he, he doesn't really need to do it on the pitch, you know, unless we, well, funnily enough, unless we're 6-0 up, you can sort of do that sort of stuff. But, yeah, um, as as we've said, he's still acclimatising to the English league and perhaps points to why he's not been getting many games, much game time. Um, we have had another question from a chap who uh, wishes to remain anonymous but I, th- I think we've answered it already, Ben, in terms of he wanted to get our opinion on how this 1-0 it was different to all the other 1-0 aways that we've had. So they've all been viewed in a t- negative light. So Birmingham, Derby, etc. Um, what's the difference about this game that has made social media react positively? And I think Ben's absolutely right. I, I think the-, the urgency that we showed, the facts that we wanted to get forward and score a second goal uh, and I think the fact as well that we hadn't won since 1979 at uh, Preston uh, so obviously that was a big burden to, to sort of 
throw out the history books, so to speak. But it was the fact that we stuck with the same system and still looked like we wanted to score after that penalty. Uh, so I think that's probably why this was maybe deemed in a different light to um, to all the others. I mean, we only had one shot and target in the end, but the, the full-time stats do make for good reading. Uh, you know, I've mentioned, obviously, if you forget about the only one shot and target, uh, we had nine shots, we had 60% possession, and we had 465 passes and eight corners. So you don't cre- you don't get corners if you don't create chances or half chances that at least are put out for corners. So, yeah, it, it was a much, much better performance, Ben. And back-to-back away wins, which is something that we don't see very often. Uh, sorry, back-to-back wins, I should say, which is something we don't see very often with Watford this season. Um, could this now... Could that Bristol City game now have really kick-started something, Ben? Do you see us going on a little bit of a run now and maybe pushing those top two? It's what we need. We need we need to put a string of um, performances together and get um, back-to-back wins. It was good to see that we actually dug in deep last night to grind out that 1-0 victory. Like you say, I think it's completely different to the other two um, victories that we've won 1-0 this season away from home. Completely different to Derby. There was actual performance last night and same with Birmingham away. There was, there was a performance and desire last night, whereas the Derby away win, it just took a spectacular goal from Joe Pedro to actually win it and then um, Birmingham we weren't really in the game and then it took a penalty to win it whereas last night we, we we dominated the game in spells and we looked the only team that took any interest in the game to actually win last yeah. night um, but yeah I, I think I've seen a stat floating around social media this morning as well saying that it took Vladimir Ivic 10 games to win two away games where it's taken Cisco five away games to win two um, away games now I think it, it is crucial that we sort out our away form and since uh, Munes has came in I think we're slowly slowly um, getting our away form sorted out now um, yes we drew 0-0 away to Coventry and 0-0 to Millwall but we've also picked up a massive three points at Stoke and now another big three points at Preston um, I, I don't know if, if he's actually lost the game oh yeah he lost the yeah, Swansea away um, this season as well, um, in his first away game yeah, but um, yeah, I think the signs are looking good. I think the main thing was that we needed to keep the same formation and keep the majority of the starting eleven together because I, I do see a bit more of a team spirit at, since the Bristol City game. Um, there's a lot more togetherness. Um, I don't think there's as many many players getting on each other's backs when things are going a bit wrong. I don't think there's lots of moaning. There's lots of encouragement going on out there. It's just been beaten or five games um, back-to-back wins. I think we, we can look to push on to maybe eight games to 10 games and just keep going. Look, Brentford went to like 20-odd games Unbeaten. So yeah. I imagine we could do it as uh, we we could do exactly the same. We've got quality in our squad. It's just getting the best out of it. But now we're playing our players in the best positions. We're certainly seeing the rewards of it. Yeah, absolutely. And you mentioned Ivic there. Obviously, took him how long to get so many away uh, wins, and then Munoz coming in. That clean sheet we had last night. I think I think it was something ridiculous. Like. Um, We've now recorded three clean sheets in a row, away from home, I believe, um, for the first yeah. time since September and just the second time this season. Wow. 
uh, and that was right at the start of the season. So I think Sheffield Wednesday was in that uh, run. Um, so that's how early in the season it was. I've got, so yeah, yeah. Sorry, Ben, you've got. I got another got I got another stat for you as well. And um, Daniel Batman. Um, I know he didn't have much to do last night, but in eight Championship games, he's now kept six clean sheets. Incredible, absolutely incredible. You know, and I, I'll hold my hands up. You know, I wasn't. I wasn't sort of convinced by him from last season, and I get—I was only basing it off the um, Tranmere games. But he just looked so shaky, and I just thought, is he going to be able to make the step up? And fair play to him, he's done absolutely superb. Uh, long mate, continue, and I, I feel comfortable with Backman in now. I, I'm not feeling like we need to get them faster back quick. Like, yes, he will be good, and that debate we can have on another episode. But um, you know. Backman is more than capable of, of filling the, the, the gloves, I should say, of Ben Foster. Um, you mentioned, obviously, one of the teams that we've won 1-0 away at, and it's been ugly this season, is Derby. Uh, that's who we've got next. Uh, the games are coming thick and fast now, so we're playing again in two days' time as we record this. Uh, we're in front of the Sky cameras at the Vic, Derby at home. Um, and... Ben actually spoke to the Rams Review podcast, uh, which I believe will be out today. So keep an eye on that. We'll give it a retweet. Um, and we actually, I actually spoke to them. So when Ben spoke to them to record for their podcast, I then spoke to them to record our podcast. Uh, I sat down and spoke to Corey and Jason from the Rams Review podcast to get their viewpoint from the Derby camp heading into the game at Vicarage Road this Friday night. Uh, and this is what we chatted about. Yes, I'm joined here by Corey and Jason from the Rams Review podcast. I, uh, I actually spoke to these two chaps uh, for the reverse fixture. So, uh, chaps, it's uh, it's nice to speak to you again. How, how, how are things? Yeah, not too good, Mike. Thank you for having us on again. And I appreciate you always uh, picking up our calls when we call. Not many people do that, Jason, <laughs> when I call. They don't normally pick up a second time. No. But it's great It's great to be on, Mike, on, on your pod. And it's great to see you again, mate. I hope you're well. I'm, I'm good. I know that was your question. I, I'm, I'm doing well. <laughs> good stuff. Yeah. Jason, you well? Yeah, yeah, I'm very well, thank you, mate. Obviously, we're both in this side of the country. Um, yeah. yeah, no, it's been, obviously, yeah, it's, it's all right. Plenty of football. <laughs> I'm glad they didn't stop it. I know there was, yeah. a, there was a little bit of a talk. I'm glad that got quashed. Um, yeah. And I think, uh, not football-related, but obviously COVID-related, it looks like we might be just about, just about on the route to, on the route out of this in the next few weeks. So looking forward to that and fingers crossed we can get some, get some bloody fans back at the grounds ready for next season. Yeah. Let's, uh, let's hope so. So, uh, one thing that has changed from the last time that we've, uh, we played each other, uh, we've both had manager changes. So, uh, Corey, just, just starting with you, obviously you sacked Koku and now you've, you've got Wayne Rooney at the helm. How's, uh, how's he getting on in your opinion? Oh, Wazza, Wazza is just, you know, no, it's, Philip Kaku, just to just to talk track back to Philip uh, Philip Kaku, Mike was he was the right he was the right man at the wrong time. Nice guy, um, tried to do things the right way. Was a perfect gentleman. Did so much for the community during the first lockdown, and really, you know, the well documented issues that happened to Derby last season would have sunk most managers. And he was able to handle that with such class, and he was such a gentleman about it. But unfortunately, this season it just kind of got a bit pear shaped, and I don't I don't think there's one thing that you could put your, your finger on. Is there Jason that, that would really um, say, you know, this is, this is the reason from what we understand is the players. And I guess, you know, from what we understand and from what we've seen is the players didn't look fit coming back 
Um, and that kind of, you know, you can look at that and say, well, this is why Darby concedes so many late goals up to two weeks ago against Rotherham where Darby were nil nil and Rotherham scored three in a in quarter of an hour, last quarter of the game. Um, and, you know, there was that. And then obviously his tactics on the training ground were sometimes a bit odd because he was trying to coach it like an elite level. And this is no disrespect to anybody in the championship because they're way better footballers than me, but he's looking at trying to coach players that are in that upper, upper echelon of world-class elite talent. And mm-hmm. then you come down to the championship and sometimes the players can't get necessarily the, um, the ideas they, they don't necessarily come across because it's just, I, I don't really understand what you're trying to talk and whatever. So that was a bit of a strange thing. And it always kind of felt like Wayne Rooney was in there to, to kind of eventually take over, didn't it, Jason? He was kind of always there where it was like uh, Wayne's in the back and he's kind of waiting here. And they had Rosinier, who's, who's mm-hmm. a very experienced, or who's got all the pro licenses and whatever. And so then Kaku eventually goes because there was a dour performance at Middlesbrough. And oddly enough, that was also Wayne Rooney's last game. So Wayne Rooney was, the great England legend was retired by Middlesbrough. It's <laughs> literally, never thought you, that would, that would, how that would end. And Darby tried this very strange coaching by committee where, they had Rooney and they had um, Rossinier and they had Shea Given and they had Justin Walker from the Academy. And they were all on the touchline shouting different directions, pointing in different directions. And, went, hey, yeah, yeah, yeah. and it just, it like didn't, was not going well at all. And so the famous quote from Rooney is that they got in a room, had a discussion and Rooney, and they all realized that Rooney was the man to take them forward. And it was like, yeah, I think, I think we all knew Rooney was the man. So he, he got the official job. And, and since then, to be honest, um, they've had top six form. Uh, so you can't really can't really argue about results, can you, Jason? No, I, I think the the Rooney thing you know, when he came in, I think everybody kind of went, well, he's clearly well. He signed as a player coach. We know that 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 was well documented. But I think everybody kind of had one eye on the fact that if Koku went, uh, for want of a better phrase, tits up, um, then you know Rooney would have been would have been the one that um, that took over. And I think, as Corey, as Corey mentioned, I think pre-lockdown, we, we saw we saw Rooney in some decent form. And then after the lockdown, the guy just lost all sort of form, <laughs> form and fitness. Mm. Um, and I think attitude went, I think application went. When we restarted, he never, had, I mean, it must have been that, obviously that back end of last season and coming into this season must be what, probably a 15 game stretch. I could probably pull out one performance where Wayne Rooney played anywhere near any, any, anywhere near good enough to be in the championship. So it was one of those and it just went horribly wrong. We don't know what was going off in the dressing room. I think, you know, me and Corey have certainly said this 10th place finish for Derby last season was a massive punching above the weight. Derby didn't play like a top 10 side, nowhere near. Um, and I think that proved the first, I think it was 11, 12 games of this season, we played the way and got the results of what we'd kind of seen in the first six months under Koku. Just echo everything that Corey said, great lad, nice bloke, did everything for the club, um, did the did everything right. He tried to play a style of football that he just didn't have the team for. Mm-hmm. And he came across as... I'd, it didn't come across as a discipline, you know, a disciplinarian, I suppose is the best way. Um, and it, it did look as if one or two of the senior players could get away with certain things. Obviously the whole signing of Wayne Rooney was a bit of a, bit of an odd one. Mm-hmm. How, how you can stamp your authority on a football club uh, and on, on, on a team when it's written into your contract that if you fit your play, which is kind of what we believe was in his contract. I can't be, I can't really be argued any otherwise because why, why on earth would he come otherwise? Mm-hmm. So, 
you know, when he when he's not calling the shots, and that's been well documented at Derby, the manager hasn't always called the shots. Um, he did everything, as you said, Corey. He did everything with a bit of bit of grace and decorum, but in the end, something had to happen. He left us bottom of the league, and and like I say, Rooney's come in. Is is instilled a little bit more discipline from what we can see. Um, kind of strolled things back to basics. Um, and it's about believing in your own game, playing your own. Obviously, there's a as all football, there's a formation, there's a style, but it's it's not a you've got to make sure you make this pass in this position to this player. It's it, like it was under cocky. It was too complicated, mm-hmm. and we we try to bring in seven or eight youth lads who you know they're used to playing under 23s football. They're not used to playing in the same way that cocky wanted them to play. Now, if we had had a squad of 18, you know, senior pros who'd played. That's you know, a passing style of football. Maybe it had gone a little bit better for, for him at Derby. But at the time, it just didn't work. And really just kind of stripped all those layers back and kind of went, look, you know, you're at, the, you're at this football club because you've got you've got quality or potential or whatever. Just, just play your natural game. But this is kind of the, the boundaries that we've got. This is the shape. This is the formation. And, and go out there and express yourself. And I think, Corey, you'd agree with me. I th- Derby have done that. Don't get me wrong. There's been one or two results over the last 15 10 15 is it probably about 10 15 games he's had now that you that you pull out that have been irregular performance wise they've been irregular results wise mm-hmm. um but one thing i will will stand and say is that there's always been a reaction and we've always picked up a decent at least a decent perform result or performance uh, certainly decent performance in the next one um and you know long may it continue he's got he's got a big job on his hands I know Corey will say, and I know a lot of Derby fans will say to you, it was 50-50 that Derby fans wanted him to take the job um, because a lot of fans thought Derby were in a lot more trouble than somebody who's never managed before could probably deal with. It's a gamble that was taken. Um, and, you know, so far, don't think don't think we can argue with it. Yeah, I mean... You've you've had all that hoo ha with the management and and everything you just talked about there. Uh, we also saw a few weeks ago, Jason, that um, the players and staff, on top of all that, hadn't been paid on time, and then the takeover had fell through. I think was it the shakes that are up Man City? It's their cousins, I think it was. So, are, are you hopefully yeah. are, are you hopefully being taken over soon? Is is the bottom line of it? Uh, hopefully, yes. Um, actually, we I think it's been I think yesterday was it yesterday or today, Corey? It's been a hundred days since the club came out and said that we'd been talking to these uh, this consortium um, since May this year, uh, last year. So it's been rumbling on a lot longer than the public eye knows. And for the first three or four weeks, everything went really, really, really quickly, and it sounded as if the deal was done. It was agreed in principle. The AFL did their fairness, you know, wellness check, whatever, fit and proper persons. All that was passed in about November, wasn't it, Corey, I think? Um, and then it was, it'll be done in the next two weeks. It'll be done in the next two weeks. It'll be done in the next 48 hours. It, and we're still rumbling on in March. And it, funnily enough, two bits of information that kind of answer this question now is that, um, one, I think it was broke at the weekend that there's an American consortium on standby, as it's been written. So it looks like the takeover from Sheikh Khalid is is gone. Um and actually, our chairman was in in the newspaper at the weekend with the Daily uh, Daily Mail, Daily Mail on Sunday, whichever one it was, basically saying, you know, I have to sell the club because he's 
he's well, but don't wish to say it, but it sounds like he's not well at all, ill wise. Mm. Sounds like he's you know he, he needs to he needs to get out. Um, he did say that the deal with Sheikh Khalid Mansur or whatever his name is, uh, Bin Zayed Group, as the consortium's known, mm. is still live. It's still on the table. It's not, but it's been like that since November. So it does look as if this American one may well uh, be a bit more. And I mean, I've not looked into it, Corey. You may have done. Um, over the last probably three months, we've taken out a couple of loans from an MSD group um, who own Dell Computers Consortium as such um, that apparently are waiting in the wings in case this one does fall through. Um, yeah. But as I say, as, a, as of a day ago, pretty much, the chairman's turned around and said the other deal's still on the table. It, it's, it's all signed off in principle. There's clearly a problem financially or a, a couple of finer finer points but he has pointed out and said the deal's done in principle but the deal is not definitely not done at this moment in time so it, it's another waiting game isn't it Corey? It is and Mike just, I just want to illustrate for your listeners that Derby County is not a single entity. Mm. Um, there's actually five clubs within Derby County. There's the um, hospitality, the stadium, the club the training facility and I think corporate as well. Mm. So there's five different clubs or five different companies that are owned by shell companies that are eventually owned by Mel Morris. And so what the Benzaya group's trying to do is they're trying to not purchase one entity, they're trying to purchase five. Mm. Now the loans from MSD that have been taken out against the stadium, which Mel Morris owns and War Farm, which Mel Morris owns two independent companies. So he's taken out loans against them of 20 and 30 million. And so um, now not only do... For instance, Mike, if you own, if you're Benzaya Group and I'm thinking, I don't want to share my financials and you're sharing your financials and we're reading it. We're now bringing Jason in because he now has to countersign and counterread mm-hmm. the, the, the loan and the agreement as well because he's got other loans to pay off on businesses that are about to be sold. So it, it adds an additional layer of complexity. And I think what's made it more frustrating for Derby fans is that this news was broken by somebody who probably shouldn't have broken the news because, you know, <laughs> obviously we don't, you don't necessarily want business dealings you don't want me to tell jason i mean you're doing a business about your house and then all of a sudden mm. i tell jason and it gets out in the public because people are interested in mike's house it makes the deal to get done between me and you a lot more difficult mm. um and i think one another thing that adds complexity and then and, and a layer of frustration for the fans is obviously the fans can't go to the stadium they can't hear from people when they're coming in and out of the ground and the clubs put out some tersely worded statements has not been very um forthcoming with it which is okay because it's a privately owned company. They don't have to. Um, so, but what from what we understand when the Bidziad group, um, I've spoken to a couple people who know people within Bidziad that the deal's still very much alive. Mm. Um, the the deal with Mel Morris is he yeah like Jason said he came out in the Daily Mail he's had some health problems he's willing to sell it, um, and then the news breaks of the American Consortium which I may or may not be a part I cannot confirm or deny <laughs> but this you might very soon be the official podcast of Darby I don't know. I'm just saying it might possibly maybe one day. Um, but yeah. And, uh, and so that, so that's coming through. So it wouldn't be surprising to see MSD holding, which is chaired by Michael Dell owner of Dell computers in his consortium. All these, all rich people have it. They just have consortiums, right? Yeah. Instead of just having any money, they have a consortium. So it's like making it, yeah, it's just not, it's just not Corey and Jason. It's a consortium. So it's like very weird. Rich people have a very weird way of doing business. Um, which I don't have a consortium, which tells you exactly why I'm doing what I'm doing. Um, but yeah. And so, so it just adds an extra layer of complexity into the players wages is again, it added another layer of frustration and um, 
distraction that was not needed by the mm. club at the time. When you're fighting relegation, you don't need to be like, Our players haven't been paid in six weeks. It's now been seven weeks. And then they took out a loan to pay the wages and then hadn't paid the January wages. And then it was a rumor that players were considering going on strike. And then people were like, well, why doesn't Wayne Rooney just pay all their wages? Yeah, well, that's great. But you're not, if you're, Mike, if you're in your job and you're, you're for, your colleagues are furloughed, they're not, you're not going to be like, I'll pay their weekly wages. Like, okay, that's fine. It's just not going to happen. That's a stupid suggestion. He's not going to give his own money as I wouldn't, as you wouldn't, as Jason wouldn't, you know, we're all giving people, we all give enough. I'm not going to pay my wages for my colleagues. I'm not going to do that. It's just, that's just crazy. That's yeah. the business side of the house. And so we just added an extra layer of um, distraction that Darby didn't need. And I think it showed in a couple of their performances that I think the first Rotherham game, uh, just was like at, at Pride Park. It was just like Rotherham, I think, took him to the sword. And it was like, mm. you could just see the players hadn't been paid in six weeks. And you don't want to see anybody go. And yes, yes, okay, footballers earn a lot of money. It's not the footballer's fault that they earn a lot of money. It's what the, you know, if I come in and you say, come play for me for 50 grand a week, I'm going to come. I don't care whether it's Watford, Derby, whoever. I'll put on the, it doesn't matter, Ilkeston Town shirt. It does not matter to me. So Hillmore's, I don't care. I'll go where the money is. And that's not to make them feel like, mercenaries but if you work at asda and then tesco offer you more money you're going to go to tesco because you're doing the same job for more money you'd be stupid not to obviously unless you love your colleagues and you've got the pension plan whatever but flipping being flipping to side is um you know the players should have been paid the wages that they were earned or that they that they earned at the time and it was just it was just an unfortunate situation so hopefully that's all now behind us now because i think the players have been paid so hopefully we can darby can turn the chapter the page on on this on this book of the season, which is becoming larger and larger volumes week by week. It's just, you read this stuff and you think, man, a wages thing would be like big news for a football club. And then you're sitting here and we, Jason and I podcast on the job at least twice a week. And it's like, that eh, just literally it's the, it, sometimes it didn't even flash above the radar as a discussion point with the crazy stuff that goes on in the football club, which is just absolutely nuts. But yeah, short story is it's just, it was a distraction that was unnecessary. It showed. And hopefully now that the wages have been paid, Derby can move on, but it, it's not good optics. It's just not good. No, I mean, sticking with the players, I want to talk about one player in particular, uh, Corey. Um, he signed just after we played you, I think, or it was just before, but he was ineligible to play. Uh, Colin Cousin Richards, he's really hit the ground running there, hasn't he? Absolute legend. Build him a statue. Cult hero. Uh, no, he liked one of our tweets the other I day. I saw so. that. Yeah, he retweeted yeah, it, didn't he? Absolute, yeah. absolute, absolute, absolute legend. Absolute <laughs> legend. Um now, if people instead of just liking the tweet, listen to our podcast for, for five seconds, we'd be, we'd be much better off. But no, um, yeah, he's come in and he was a bit of a strange one because Darby had had this kind of long search for a center forward number nine since the departure of Chris Martin. Mm. And Chris Martin, I'm sure you're well aware, Mike, was loved, beloved by Darby fans. Absolutely. One of the, like, he's in the top 10 goal scorers of all time for the club, like obvious, amazing. And he had several seasons out on loan and sometimes a player and a club just fit together and it just, it just worked. It was like a peanut butter jelly sandwich. It was just like <laughs> perfect unison harmony. Um, and then obviously Chris left and there was this kind of void and they were trying to get Sedar Dursen from, from Darmstadt, but they couldn't get the deal done. And then they were going to wait till January and the Brexit happened. So Sedar kind of fell through. He's not coming. Um, so they kind of roll up and they're like, surprise, 34 year old Colin Chasm Richards, who was released from a Mexican team. Uh, you know, he's like, 12th team in eight different countries surprise he's rolling up now and you're kind of like oh yeah i remember him from blackburn years ago he's still playing like i know he played for turkey and he changed his name to colin kazim kazim and whatever um and he was never really played under kaku because i think he was more brought in for cover and with the fact that he was also had uh, fitness issues he hadn't played mm. since before the first lockdown so he obviously had to get back up to scratch 
But since Rooney's come in, he's basically just made him the main number nine forward. He wears 13, but he plays in the number nine center position, holds up play tremendously. And um, I think he's got about what, Jason? Now six goals. He had the Thunderbolt. If anybody wants to watch his goal uh, at the weekend, I would highly recommend it. It's definitely going to be Darby's goal of the month, if not the goal of the season. He just hit it from like 25 yards and it would just, just absolute rocket. It would have broke the net. It's lucky the guy, the goalkeeper went in the way because it would have took him and it had knocked him into the Greggs on the other side of the stadium. Um, but yeah, it was just a bit of a strange one, but he's really, he's really come on. He's done a good couple of interviews with Darby and he's really kind of summed up his characters kind of summed up this kind of team because he said he looked at the bottom of the table and didn't really understand why Darby were down there. And it was all about grinding and putting in gritty performances. And, you know, that kind of goes to what Wayne Rooney, Wayne Rooney simplified Darby and Colin Kazim Richards had added this grit and, you know, mostly us as Derby fans, we look at Derby as trying to play it on the, on the floor and, and playing a nice kind of like sexy football kind of things. You remember the McLaren era where, team, where they've mm. taken teams. To sort. This is a different Derby. This is a, di- a completely different beast. And it's just really gritty performance after gritty performance after gritty performance. And Colin Kazim Richards, he's not wearing the armband, but he's definitely in such a short amount of time. He does the team talks in the huddle beforehand. And you can just see his leadership qualities, his intangibles. I mean, yeah, he's chipped in with six goals. Could he have more? Yes. One, he could have had a sitter against uh, West Brom, I think, or not West Brom, they're in the Premier League. Um, uh, what am I talking about? Uh, QPR, Queens Park yeah. Rangers. Another team with weird three names. They don't like those teams. Uh, and he missed one from like two yards out, and it was absolute sitter. He could add more goals, but his contribution to this team is way more than goals. And it, it's kind of like, and again, this is not a, this is a, an apples and oranges comparison because I'm not saying that the same because they're not. But like the way Firmino plays with Liverpool is you go, oh, Firmino doesn't score a lot of goals, but he brings in other players and he brings a lot more. And Kazim Richards is kind of that thing. He's not bringing in other players, but his intangibles are adding so much to this Derby team. It's, it's immeasurable. Um, and he's out of contract, obviously, in, in June. But we've heard this morning, Jason, didn't we, that Derby have hopefully started to enter contact talks for an additional year or two for him. Jason, am I, am I reading that right? Is that the same perspective from you? I think so. I mean... <laughs> Yeah, he was a surprise when he came in, uh, 100%. And we all went, oh, great, here we go. <laughs> um, you know, it, if anything, when Chris Martin departed in the summer, the one thing that we said this summer was we need to get a number nine in. It's the way that Derby have played for the last seven or eight years. You can't, even with a new manager coming in, you can't all of them expect them to just go, boom, you're playing 4-4-2 now. It, it doesn't necessarily work that way. So we had to sign a striker in the summer. And Corey alluded to it there. We went for Serda Derson and there was a couple of other names linked. None of them worked out. And it was like the transfer window shut. And we were like, <laughs> we've not got a number nine. Um, we'd got Martin Waggon on the books, but he was injured. Um, so we were, I mean, to be honest with you, Corey, I, I actually couldn't even tell where we started up front uh, for the first five or six games of the season. Um but not certainly not the ones that needed to be up there. Let's put it that way. And yeah, it was a gamble. Free free transfer, probably not on a great deal of money. Um, but Corey's right. He came in with just just this attitude on the pitch and this persona. And one of the points I alluded to earlier, I think under Coco, I think Derby were easy. I, I think I think the the workload was easy. That just everything around the club was very la- la- lazy, if that's the right word. Wayne Rooney won't put up with that kind of crap. Let, let's put it that way. You wouldn't think that's that's his. You know that's been his mantra throughout his season, uh, throughout his career. And then, um, yeah, somebody like Colin, who you listen to, as Corey said in interviews, he comes across in such a great way. Um, 
just didn't want to, just didn't stand for it. And it was a case of, look, you know, you players, you're either going to have to pull your fingers out because Derby are in trouble because we were bottom of the league. You know, you really are going to have to put, if you want to play for this football club, you're really going to have to pull your fingers out. And he has been quite, from what we hear, he's been quite a, you know, quite a big influence on the dressing room uh, and on the pitch and, it's what Derby needed. It's it's why Derby needed that focal point. It's not not just the way that they play, but they needed somebody up there. Um, especially when we choose our goalkeeper to be the captain. <laughs> you, you know, which which is fine. I, I ain't got a problem with that. But you, are, the goalkeeper's not having an influence at the top of the pitch. So you've got. To, I appreciate you've got to have multiple leaders on the, on you know on the pitch. I get all that. But he he's done something. In, Get to add the goals that he has. I think it's six in fifteen or six in seventeen, something like that. He's got he's got about a two point seven goal ratio, goals to game ratio. He's never been that clinical in his career, um, so that's great. And Corey's right; he, he's missed three or four. He, he could be in double figures already in you know in such a short amount of time, um, and hence why Derby are opening contract talks with him for for another year as well it, for his on and off the field influences. Mm. Without him, Derby would be banging trouble, Mike. There's no doubt about that. Derby did not see look anywhere near the same side because we were playing a, a style of football without a focal point, and that's what we needed in the way that we played. Without him, we would probably still be at bottom of the league. Yeah. So with that, you can't really... I don't think many Derby fans would argue that point either. Um He's been well. He's keeping Derby afloat. I, th- I think is the best way to describe it. He's kept Derby. He's keeping not kept yet. He's keeping Derby the right side of the line. Yeah, and just turning our attention, obviously, to to the game on uh, on Friday it's on Sky Sports, uh, the on at Vicarage Road. So five games, the last five games, only Swansea have picked up more points than Derby themselves with 13. Derby have picked up 12. They're in good company with uh, with Brentford as well, with the same amount. Jason, just starting with you, uh, I'm a little bit wary for time. The time has escaped me massively, but just starting with you, um, what would your score prediction be? Because it wasn't a classic the last time we played each other. <laughs> no. No, sorry, we do tend to we do tend to raffle on when we get interviewed, Mike. Sorry about that. No, no, um, no problem. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't it wasn't a classic at all. Um, I, a piece of magic was the, was the three points for Watford. I think most times it, it was the way that Derby were playing back then. Mm. Certainly didn't look like scoring. Uh, very very rare. And if a team turned up and they were off the boil, it ended up nil nil. Yeah. Um, which again, it was that one one bit of magic. Derby are playing in a completely different way now. Mm. Um, but Watford have picked up results. In, you know, obviously, I know change of manager and it's been, last couple have been a bit iffy, but they've went through quite a hot streak over Christmas. I'm really looking forward to the game on Friday. I, I think it's going to be an interesting game. I think for the first time in years, Derby played 4-4-2 at the weekend. Um, I would fully expect you don't change a winning side, right? So maybe maybe you keep the same. Uh, away from home, maybe we, we set up a little bit differently. But I, the way that we, we are playing at the minute, um, I think it's going to be a good game. Um, and for me, any point away from him is a good point. I'm going one-one. Corey, are you echoing a draw or do I have to do I have to toe the Watford line, Mike? Because I'm on the Watford pod. <laughs> Jason makes me toe the line on our pod. Nah. Um, yeah, I think I think it, I think it, I'm, I'm looking forward to this game because I think the Derby is a completely different animal um, to what they were uh, when when the sides first played and undone by an absolute peach of a magician's goal from Xiao Pedro. I mean, that, that goal mm. just top pins in the Premier League every day of the week. And 
in the championship is one of the contenders for the goal of the season, in my opinion. Um, other than Colin Kazan Richards, obviously, which is yeah, going to win obviously. it, he's the MVP yeah, of the yeah. league, but nevertheless, <laughs> um, uh, an R two podcast would be tied for podcast of the year, but nevertheless, um, yeah, I think I think in terms of in terms of the game, I'm expecting a hard fought battle. Watford, in my estimation, were the most Premier League return ready of the teams that came down. I think the the squad that you guys have is tremendously strong, um, and they kind of scare me a little bit. I'm a little bit scared. <laughs> Um, you know, and so I am going to anticipate a good game, but I am going to think I am going to hopefully go with the good times are going to keep rolling. Um, I think Watford will score because I think keeping Saar and people like Gray and Dini and, and, and Ken Sema um, and Jao Pedro, it's just too much to keep them off the score sheet. But Darby don't concede many these days. But I do think that the new the new two front line of Lee Gregory and Colin Kazan Richards might provide might give the fullbacks some problems um, mm. in terms of their, their, their strength and their power and their hold up play. So I'm going to go with a two one Derby win. Oh, well, it's uh, like t- on the podcast. <laughs> uh, like, like I say, you know, it's going to be you, like you two have alluded to. It's going to be a good game. You're, you're banging form. We've got the best home record in the league. So it, it's definitely going to be a different game to what we saw last time around. We've, we've got two different, both got different managers now. So it's, it is going to be a, a good one. And usually uh, the, the decent spectacles at, um, at, at Watford's uh, under the lights in front of the sky cameras as well. So yeah, let's, uh, let's hope that is the case. But uh, yeah, yeah, gents, thank you very, very much for having me on. Like I said, the, the guys are from the Rams Review podcast. Uh, our co-host Ben was actually on their podcast uh, today as we record, which is Monday night. So go and check that out. Uh, we would have retweeted it as well on uh, on our Twitter timeline. So make sure you go and check that out. But thank you very, very much for your time this evening, gents, uh, or this morning, whatever it's over there, uh, Corey, I don't know. But uh, thank you very, very much. And uh, other than Friday, best of luck for the rest of the season. Same to you, Same Mike. To you, Thank, Mike. Thanks for Appreciate having us on. it. And, you know, it's always good to chat and, and, and to speak with you. Yeah, likewise. Cheers, gents. Yeah, so some interesting stuff. You know, they, they seem quietly confident, Ben, but they're also a bit wary that this will be Wayne Rooney's first real test as a manager. Um, considering we're at home, um, it, we always feel more confident at home. Quickly summarise how, how do you, how do you feel going into this one, Ben, uh, and then end it with a little score prediction for me. Um, always more confident when we're playing at home than we are away. Um, Derby are going to be a big task. I think they're going to offer a lot more than we have seen in recent games at the Vic. Um, Wayne Rooney have gotten playing really well. I don't think they've conceded many goals lately since he's taken over as well. I think they're now six points clear of a relegation zone after their um, 2-1 win at Wickham last night. So it's, it, it, I'm under no illusions that it's going to be an easy game. It's, it's definitely going to be a tough game. Uh, I think it might be one one goal in it, um, but I'm hopeful. So I'm going to go for a 2-1 Watford win. I do think that Derby might possibly score. Yeah, yeah, it's it is going to be tough. You know, they they don't concede many on the roads. They've only conceded fourteen. I mean, the the best away defense is obviously ours, and Swansea only conceded nine. But they've only conceded fourteen on the road. Um, in fourteen games on the road, they've picked up eighteen points. Uh, so they're just behind us in the form away form table. Uh, they're sitting in twelfth. We're sitting in eleventh. So, yeah, it'll be a, it'll be a tough game. I'm under no illusion, as you say. Uh, Lee Gregory got loads of goals in this league for uh, for Millwall. 
Colin Kazim Richards has hit the ground running there, uh, and Wayne Rooney's really starting to to sort of bed his ideas in, and they're, they're starting to to grind out some decent results. So, yeah, it will be a tough game. It will be another close one. I'm feeling a little bit more confident. I just think that now this is it. We can get on a run. Uh, so I'm going to go two nil, and I'm going to go Pedro, and I'm also going to go. Will Hughes is going to bag one against his old club, I think. Um, Love it. So, yeah. Um, I must say, though, um, much like the Preston game, when we do the stats for these games, for the stat pack, the Preston, as we all know, our record at Preston's horrendous. Well, unfortunately, Watford fans, <laughs> our record at home to Derby over the years hasn't been much better. So the, the stat packs won't make for great reading. Um, other than one, uh, which concerns a specific player's record against Derby, which we'll obviously, you'll see tomorrow on Thursday. Um, so, yeah, it's, um, let's hope we can we can brush that aside and, and get the three points and keep climbing the table because um, I think a couple of the, the teams above us are playing tonight, Ben, and obviously Swansea have got three games in hand on us, but we're now three points behind Brentford, who sit in second, and four points behind Norwich. If, if Coventry can somehow beat Norwich tonight... Um, then and QPR can somehow beat Brentford, then boy, old oh boy, we, we, we're talking, we, we're in action now, aren't we, Ben? Definitely, yeah. And like I've said before, I don't know if it's, um, it's, it's always tough to have games in hands. Um, yes, it looks good because you could potentially, like Swansea, they've got three games in hand, so they could potentially get another nine points there and be nine points further away from Watford. But you've still got to play those games. And when teams have played in front of you, it kind of adds a bit of pressure on yourself. So it was it was important we picked up those three points last night because if we didn't, maybe for the likes of Norwich, Swansea and Brentford would be like, oh, there's not as much pressure on us to pick up three points um, tonight. So yeah. it's... It's going to be an interesting watch tonight. I think at least one of those teams will not get maximum points. And if they don't, it's going to help us. Yeah, no, completely agree. Um, you know, it's it does add a bit of pressure on them, which is great for us. Um, so hopefully Coventry, QPR uh, or Nottingham Forest as well. They're the ones that are playing Swansea. Hopefully one of those three, if not all three, um, can do us a favour tonight and, and then we're really in business but obviously our focus now is on that game you know in two days time so the games are coming thick and fast obviously after after Derby um, we we travel to Blackburn and then we travel to Bournemouth before playing Wickham at home so you know the games are coming thick and fast now so this is where we need to pick up some momentum and thank God that formation change happened the other day um, but in terms of this podcast um that's that's about it for, from us from me and ben uh, as always it's great recording them um early in the morning when we've won not so much when we've lost uh, but we thank you as always for tuning in we really do appreciate it the support we've been getting recently i know i keep saying it every podcast but it's because we can't believe it's it, it's happening uh, the support has been absolutely incredible keep your questions coming keep your comments coming we really do appreciate them um and yeah you know if you've got any friends that are watford fans that don't listen to the podcast you know Give them, give them a podcast to listen to. And, uh, you know, the more funds that we get, the more we can appreciate it. So thank you very, very much for listening, as always. Myself and Ben will be back at the weekend. We need to decide whether that will be Saturday morning or the usual Sunday morning. Um, and, yes, uh, enjoy the rest of your week. Stay safe. Keep in touch with loved ones. And uh, come on, you horns. 
Podcast Network.